I'm here with Taylor Otwell, creator of the Laravel PHP framework and a software engineer at Userscape. Since it was created in 2011, Laravel has become one of the most popular open source PHP projects in the world. The framework has a large, growing, and devoted community, with thousands of developers using it to build web applications. Taylor is the author of the LeanPub book, Laravel, From Apprentice to Artisan, Advanced Architecture with Laravel 4. In this interview, we're going to talk about Taylor's career and the creation and development of the Laravel framework. We'll also talk about his book, his experiences using LeanPub, and ways we can improve LeanPub for him and other technical authors. So thank you, Taylor, for being on the Lean Publishing Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Um, I'd just like to start by asking you um, for a brief introduction uh, to your career. Um, how did you get started in programming, and what led you up to the point where you created the Laravel framework? Okay, well, uh, I've been kind of interested in computers ever since I was a kid, like probably many of us uh, were. And uh, I went to uh, Arkansas Tech University here in Arkansas in the United States and majored in information technology. And in college, I learned kind of the basic C++, you know, but I, did, I wasn't really familiar with open source uh, programming or, or, or pro kind of programming as a hobby or hacking, you know. And uh, when I graduated from college, I went to work for a, a, a large trucking company here in the U.S. called ABF Freight. And there I started doing mainframe COBOL and .NET at the same time, which was kind of an odd mix. And uh, they actually had a six-month training program, taught me .NET. And one of the great things about working at ABF was I worked with a very good group of programmers, and they taught me uh, a lot about programming, a lot about software design, and kind of started to introduce me to uh, open-source software. And so now uh, I was doing .NET at work, but, uh, you know, in my free time, I kind of had ideas for side businesses or whatever, things I'd like to start. And uh, – I knew from my college experience that PHP, you know, was a popular web language and that it was cheap to host. So I thought, hey, why not? I'll learn some PHP and, you know, just kind of hack on some of these ideas at night. It's cheap to host. I can just throw the files up on a server and I'm good to go. And so that's kind of how I started uh, hacking and working on PHP. Now, as far as um, the Laravel framework, uh, I was using a another framework called CodeIgniter and was kind of continually uh, hacking the core on that to make it behave more how I thought it should behave from my experience with ASP.NET. Uh, I wanted things like dependency injection and uh, a better templating system, a better ORM. And so I kind of started hacking on Laravel in my free time at night and uh, released it after about five or six months of working on it. Uh, it was a very small framework at first, but of course now it's grown to be quite popular and kind of a full stack framework. And did you work on it independently or did you have people helping you along the way for the first uh, release? Uh, I worked on it totally independently. You know, uh, wow. I did all the coding and of course drew uh, inspiration from other projects. So indirectly, you know, there was lots of help from uh, projects that have, were built before mine. But yeah, I was the only one doing the coding. And was there a particular type of developer that you had in mind when you were building it? Is there a particular type of person that it particularly clicks with? Uh, it seems to click a lot with um, people who want to build something very rapidly, uh, people who like lots of great documentation. And from the very first day that I released Laravel, I had total and complete documentation over the project because I knew that like documentation was king for new open source projects. If a project was thrown out there with a lot, with not very uh, thorough documentation, like a lot of projects are, it just, it's just a lot harder for it to gain steam. So I knew that 
even if the framework wasn't the best PHP framework out there on the first day of its release, if it had good documentation, that I could build a, a solid community around that because people would be, um, you know, a lot more inclined to use it if they could learn more about it from the from the docs. It must have been very exciting to see the community develop around it. Um, did that happen quickly, or did that take some time? And did you have to do a lot of encouraging? Uh, it it took a little bit of time. Uh, building the community nowadays is a little easier thanks to things like uh, Hacker News and Reddit. You can gain kind of some early adopters pretty fast. And uh, so early on, we had you know probably a few dozen people that were regularly using it, and that quickly just kind of bloomed. And a lot of that because I was like very persistent in doing uh, screencasts new features, you know, like Laravel at first was kind of half framework, half marketing effort okay. by me. So I was constantly trying to like put new information out there, advertise new features on various kind of PHP uh, websites and kind of keep getting the word out, you know, even after the initial launch. And you've, you've um, recently just earlier this year released version four. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what's new in this, in this version? Yeah, with version 4, we wanted to make a big architectural change under the hood because versions 1 through 3 were kind of – we were still kind of feeling our way towards how the framework should behave and how we wanted it to look. And with version 4, we knew we needed to improve on a few things. One was uh, testability. We needed the framework to be – very testable out of the box. We wanted, you know, good PHP unit support out of the box. So that was a big, uh, that was a big focus. We also wanted to start playing uh, nicely with Composer, and we adopted Composer, which is a a PHP package uh, kind of in- installation system, sort of like Bundler for Ruby. And uh, we adopted that as our primary way of distributing packages. So that kind of opened up a whole ecosystem of packages that are easily installable and integrate, you know really well with Laravel. And that, I think that's going to be very beneficial for, you know, years to come. And were your decisions about the new functionality and features driven by signals you were getting from your community? Yeah, they were. So uh, I've always been really involved with the community personally, early on in the forums and now, you know, lately more in kind of IRC and Twitter. But, you know, I'm always kind of listening to community feedback and kind of seeing how things are trending. And plus, I work on a large Laravel application, you know, day-to-day myself. And uh, so I tend to identify, you know, kind of the awkward spots in the framework fairly quickly, too, because I'm using it so much in a real-world setting. But, yeah, uh, the community kind of drives the development in a lot of ways. And then I kind of add my own little insights here and there, too. Yeah, I've seen um, people refer to the community as a, as a family online. It seems to be very, very friendly and supportive. Yeah, uh, that was one of the kind of goals from the start was to have a very kind of inclusive community, but at the same time, not a stagnant community. So, like, we want to be very welcoming of newcomers, so to speak, but also not – we don't want to dumb things down too much. We want to kind of encourage people to grow, and that's one of the things people talk about Laravel or refer to Laravel is it sort of grows with you in the sense that when you first start using it, it's very easy to build out an application to get – Uh, some basic routes going to log people in, to put some stuff in the database. That's all very quick and easy. But at the same time, it grows with you. And as your your architectural skills grow, um, you have access to more powerful features like uh, the IOC container, like background queuing, like doing some Redis caching. 
uh, and more powerful features. So the framework sort of evolves as you evolve as a developer, which is kind of nice. That's fantastic. Um, I, I know you've just returned from Laracon 2013, which was a two-day conference based in Amsterdam. And that was, I think, the, the second Laravel conference um, that yeah. has happened and the second this year. Can you tell me a little bit about how it went and what the highlights were for you? Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, this was the second Laracon. We're, ha- we're having a annual Laracon US and an annual Laracon uh, EU right now. And uh, the first one was in Washington, D.C., and the second was in Amsterdam. And I think it went really well. We actually had uh, Fabian Potencier. I'm for sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but... <laughs> Uh, he is actually kind of the maintainer of the Symphony framework, which we use. We consume about seven or eight of their components. Uh, we also had Jordy from uh, the composer developer, co kind of co-maintainer. And so that was really great because we had some really prominent members of the PHP community that don't necessarily even use Laravel on a day-to-day basis but have had a big impact on Laravel. So I think people uh, enjoyed meeting them and talking to them and kind of uh, bouncing ideas off them. And it was just a fun time of kind of hanging out. You know, conferences are always kind of like half learning, half social, or maybe even like 60 or 70% social, 30% learning now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was fun just to kind of hang out with everybody and meet people you've talked to online and stuff like that. I was going to say it must be very interesting. I mean, it's probably been a roller coaster couple of years to go from just launching something you built on your own, and now you're going to a conference in Europe and meeting, I would imagine, a, a few hundred people who've who are using it. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's it's just kind of wild. It's weird to go somewhere and have people say they're using Laravel. And it seems like just not too long ago, I was just kind of sitting in my office building it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was fun to meet people, you know, that I've known for a couple of years now. Um, you mentioned your, your day-to-day work um, at, at Userscape. Can you explain a little bit about what Userscape is doing? Yeah, so Userscape, we have uh, two products. We have HelpSpot, which is an on-premise help desk solution. It's you know very powerful, very flexible, and uh, you actually can download it and install it on your own servers, which is nice. A lot of companies really like that. Our second product is Snappy, which is also a help desk solution, but it's a little lighter weight. It has a, it's a SaaS application, so you actually just log right in uh, over the internet. You don't need to download or install anything, and uh, it's. It's working out really great. It's got a really nice interface and kind of live updating with your emails. And you can assign stuff to other people using like at tags. You can hashtag emails to categorize them. So it's a really cool app. Um, it's bsnappy.com if you want to check it out. Okay. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners would be interested to know how you manage being the architect of Laravel with your work at Userscape day to day. Yeah. So I have kind of a routine schedule where Eight to five, I work from home. I work uh, on Userscape stuff that's primarily Snappy, which is built on Laravel. And then uh, after work from like five to 9.30 or 10, I kind of just hang out with my family. And then after my wife goes to bed, I work on Laravel for a few hours from like, say, 10 to midnight or 10 to 1. And uh, then just, you know, get up the next morning and kind of repeat. And sometimes I'm too tired to stay up and work on Laravel, you know, (laughs) but uh, usually a few days a week I get to... I get to work on it at night. And uh, Ian, my boss at Userscape, also gives me the last week of every month to kind of work on Laravel, which I usually go on like a pull request rampage and close like hundreds of issues. But yeah, so that's really nice. Oh, that's great to have that kind of support. Um, I know I know you just released version four, but can you give me some indications about what you see in the future for Laravel, say next year or even the year after that? 
Yeah, so one of the kind of complaints we had about Laravel early on was that we released versions really quickly. And at first, that wasn't really an issue because, like, we were all kind of hacker early adopter types. So it was like, uh, we don't care, you know, if you break backwards compatibility, just give us cool new stuff. And, uh, you know, as the framework has grown and more businesses are using it, we have to kind of play it a little more mature in terms of our releases. So we've adopted a six-month release cycle, uh, which started in this May. So that means that Laravel 4.1 will be in November, and then Laravel 4.2 will be in May of 2014. And so uh, right now there's no really backward-breaking uh, changes planned for either of those releases, but we are uh, releasing some exciting new features. We've got um, some new uh, components in the framework to let you – make deployments easier and we've got a uh, some new debugging capabilities coming up for the release in november so yeah we'll have two point releases and kind of be uh incremental releases just kind of adding cool new stuff but no uh major re-architecting or anything i've heard you speak in a couple of podcasts um at laravel.io about the development of php in the last few years and how a lot of people who who may um, make negative comments about PHP in forums often don't even know um, where PHP has gone. Yeah. Can you can you say a little bit about that, about how PHP has changed in the last couple of years? Yeah. I tell people that, um, you know, when I first started writing Laravel and using PHP a few years ago, I almost felt guilty for not using something else. You know what I mean? Like I almost felt guilty for not using Rails. It was like um, I kind of felt like less of a programmer. But now that... Um, PHP has grown so much, like with 5.3, when we got like namespaces and closures, and now with 5.4 and 5.5. Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people that say they felt the same way. You know, they felt like, um, uh, I really shouldn't be using PHP. I should be using Ruby or Python or something like that. But now I think with these new tools, people are, they feel comfortable with PHP and, you know, they don't feel bad for using it. And I know I don't, I never think anymore personally, like, oh, I should, I should go try Rails because, Everything that I need is pretty much available in PHP, and Laravel, feature for feature-wise, is really getting to the point of being on par with Rails, um, especially with Laravel version 4. So I think it's a really exciting time for PHP, and really tools like Composer and um, kind of this emphasis on kind of growing this package ecosystem for PHP is really nice because... When I do look at Ruby and Rails, one thing that I do kind of envy is like just the sheer amount of cool gems and stuff they have. And so as Composer grows in popularity and more and more people build these packages, hopefully we can kind of catch up to that because um, that is one area they've kind of been whooping up on PHP. But I think we're heading in the right direction for sure. Great, great. Um, thanks. When, when you, um, I'm curious about the, uh, you say that um, when you, we're first launching, it was really important to build community and have documentation and um, screencasts and mm -hmm. things like that. But I'm, I'm curious, um, people, I, I'm wondering um, if media attention is something that is that you're interested in or is it something that just kind of drops out of all the other activity you do or is it something you completely ignore? Um, yeah, I try, to, I try to do still market the framework in a sense. And I view... Like I tell people, I do view the framework as a product. I don't look at it as just a um, kind of a side project anymore necessarily. Like I want Laravel to be uh, – I want it to have a certain personality and like presentation. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about that, thinking about how the docs look, how they read, um, how the framework like feels in terms of its API. And just I'm just very kind of um, – 
almost obsessive in the sense of how the framework comes across and just the way that it presents itself. I want it to present itself kind of as a, um, um, kind of a light accessible tool, um, that's kind of out of your way. That's very easy to use and helps you build uh, a lot of great stuff really rapidly. I don't know if that made sense. I sounded like no, weird. But. Oh, it does. And it meshes with what you said earlier about being, being friendly to new, new users. Yeah. And generally having a, a non, I guess, a, 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 an inviting atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. A lot of, and a lot of this, I mean, everyone's kind of inspired by a lot of what Apple has done in the sense that they've made technology very accessible and usable with um, things like the iPhone. And I kind of think of Laravel as a product, obviously not anywhere near the scale that Apple operates on, but I wanted to have that same kind of accessibility. Um, I know you get asked this question a lot, but I, I have to ask it on this podcast um, because some people might not know. But can you briefly explain where the, where you, the name Laravel comes from and how you how you chose it or, <laughs> or made it up? Yeah, the the name actually has no meaning. Um, I was struggling to come up with a name, and I just started thinking of words that kind of sounded cool in my head, and um, kind of it, it it does rhyme with a word that has meaning. And in kind of the kids' books, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia, there's a place called Caraparavel, which is like where all the kings and queens live, and so it kind of rhymed with that Laravel and Paravel. So it just kind of stuck, but it has no meaning or anything. It just kind of sounded good in my head. It's really hard to come up with names. So I kind of yeah. gave up coming up with meaningful names. Yeah. Naming, I, I was just struck by how good it is. I mean, on, on all sorts of levels, naming is, is something people talk about a lot on the web and, um, you know, finding yeah. something with seven letters that was, I'm sure available, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and is spellable, um, is, is really important. And that name captures all of those things. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to move on to asking you some questions about your experience with LeanPub and the Lean publishing process. Um, yeah. Can, can you tell me how you found out about us and why you chose us for your publishing platform? Uh, yeah, I actually found out about LeanPub from uh, Dale Reese, who is like maybe the all-time highest grossing author on LeanPub. He wrote a, also wrote a Laravel book, um, kind of a more of an introductory book, and uh, he really enjoyed LeanPub and recommended that I try it out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um, it's been an extraordinary thing for us. Um, I'm just actually checking our, our best sellers right now and our, our all time um, earnings. Um, and yeah, Dale's book Code Bright is on top, um, yeah. and your, yours is number three. And um, Dale's first book is number um, seven. Yeah. Um, so in our top, and then Jeffrey Way's book Laravel Testing Decoded is the tenth. So there, are, yeah. um, our top ten are three of them are Laravel books. Yeah, it's wild. It's really crazy. But yeah, he's the one that turned me on to uh, LeanPub as a platform. And how long has Dale been involved with the project? Gosh, let's see. It's probably been a a year and a half now, I'd say. He's been around for quite a while. Um, But kind of with the latest version, Laravel 4, he kind of really kind of came on board and started helping me um, manage the pull requests because we get quite a few every day. And it's, it's been really helpful in IRC, just kind of answering questions and stuff. So. Oh, great. And I have just a general question. How would you describe your experience using LeanPub to write and publish this book? Uh, LeanPub is it's really awesome because I kind of feel like I don't notice LeanPub, and I mean that in a good way. Like I just write my mark down and go to LeanPub and hit publish, and you know, y'all handle everything. I never <laughs> really, ha- I never really have any LeanPub headaches. It's just really nice because. Markdown is such an easy way to write, you know, and because all the Laravel documentation is already in Markdown, I'm kind of used to writing Markdown. And um, 
this is such kind of a simple little markup for writing and just, uh, the, the way that lean pub lets you, you know, manage everything very easily. It's just so straightforward and I could get started really fast. And even now with multiple translations of the book, you know, it's very easy for me to set up a new book and get a, a co-author set up and divide out the royalties, you know, it's just right. really straightforward. Well, that, that's great to hear. Thanks. Um, uh, I'm curious, unless I'm mistaken, um, you, you didn't publish your book in progress. You published it when it was finished. Yeah. Yep. And that's, um, yeah, I guess that was kind of like a discipline thing for me. Um, you know, just so I would finish it first and not kind of put it out and then kind of get distracted with other things and never come back to it. So I decided to go ahead and finish the whole book. And, um, I think I do have a few, uh, chapters in my head now that I've gotten some community feedback on the book and kind of what people are, are wanting or thought was missing that I probably will go back and add a few chapters now, but yeah, essentially the book was published, um, with all the material I'd originally conceived. Okay. Yeah. That, that relates to my, my next question, which was, um, I, I guess you've answered it, but is engaging with people directly important to you? And is there more we could do to help you do that? Or is that something you're happy to, to manage on your own? Uh, right now that's been pretty, pretty easy enough to manage on my own since I communicate with the community a lot through Twitter. So I marketed the book mainly through Twitter. Um, okay. So people have been, you know, getting, getting back to me on Twitter with, with feedback and kind of ideas for what they, what they'd like to see or what they'd like to see expanded on. And it's always hard to tell, you know, when you've written the framework, you have so many kind of blind spots to what might be hard for other people to understand. It might make you know, reasonable sense to you, but it, it could be, you know, clear as mud to everyone else. Right. And so it's, it's nice to get the feedback because it's very hard for me to kind of ascertain what, what needs to be worked on. Okay. And so you don't find yourself wishing there was something more systematic, like say, I don't know if you know, O'Reilly has a kind of reporting system, which is just kind of line by line. People submit, um, uh, errata and, and suggestions. Um, but you're, you're happy just using Twitter to, to interact with people that way. And I, I suppose keep your own lists of things that you'd like to change. Mm, it would be, <laughs> you're kind of putting ideas in my head now. It would, be <laughs> co- it would be cool to have like a, uh, almost like a GitHub style interface where people who have bought the book can kind of submit pull requests to fix stuff. That would be nice, but, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that would be a lot of work. <laughs> but- well, right, right now we have a, a sort of, um, very simple solution, which is discuss comments that you can, that you can, um, turn on. Ah, yes. Yeah. And so there's no, there's no sort of like, um, uh, you know, finishing them off when they've been, um, completed or something like that, but it is a, it is a simple way to sort of focus things in one place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I, uh, yeah, but mainly I've been managing it through Twitter and people will email me stuff to fix and I just go ahead and fix it in the markdown, hit publish and, you know, the update just goes right out to everybody nice and smooth. So, okay. It's been nice. <laughs> do, do you do you watch um, like Google Analytics for your book pages or anything like that? Mm, no, I don't. I uh, <laughs> I'm really bad about analytics. Like I don't I don't do a lot of analytics on um, Laravel's downloads or on the book or anything. But uh, that would be interesting to know. You know who's kind of who's my primary uh, buyers on the book. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing. I mean, given given that your book is our third biggest seller of all time, it might might be a yeah. a comment about um, perhaps. Um, at least in the early months after publishing a book, what's most important to focus on, which is um, yeah. get, getting out there to people and, um, and maybe, maybe not watching, you know, d- you know, obsessively watching one's analytics every day. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
as a creator for a framework, framework, I found it was a little maybe easier for me to publish the book because I had a fairly large Twitter following already. But yeah, it would be interesting to know, you know, coming into coming into Lean Pub as kind of a, a new author that may not be well known, although you could have great things to say in your book. Uh, what the best ways to get the word out in the book would be? I would be interested to learn more about that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the what the book is about? I know it's it's about sixty three pages long. Yeah, um, and it's 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 I I can see that it's um, meant to be directed at people who are kind of they're past the beginner stage. Yeah, so Dale's book um, was kind of the introductory, and so I wanted to write a um, kind of a you know here's where you go next after you finish Dale's book, and you kind of got the the basic grasp on the. Uh, concepts of the framework and now you're kind of ready to go deeper and kind of see what else the framework has to offer in terms of building a more complex application something like um, snappy like we do at userscape where you have you know lots of classes lots of stuff going on and you know how do you structure that in php php is not really well known for being like this kind of (laughs) you know uh, well structured and thought out uh, area of development so we're trying to kind of change that and give people some ideas for how to structure a complex PHP application and uh, particularly a Laravel application. But there's lots of good info, I think, even if you're not using the framework. Um, we have five chapters, one on each uh, um, letter in the SOLID acronym, which is kind of a pattern of good right. software development. And then Uncle we have... Bob, right? Yeah, with from Uncle Bob. And then we have um, a few other chapters that are Laravel-specific, kind of where to put your files and, and how to organize everything. I, I see that the book is very well produced, including including the cover. Um, I'm wondering if did you go through a um, a process whereby you had technical reviewers before you launched it, and did you did you hire say editors or or something like that? Uh, I didn't hire anyone. I did have uh, kind of more prominent or key members of the community review the book. Like um, I sent it to Jeffrey Way, who wrote the Laravel testing book, and of course I sent it to Dale, who wrote the kind of introductory book. And a few other people I communicate with a lot. I let them read it over and kind of give their feedback and correct, uh, you know, typos and stuff like that, or tell me I need to expand in certain areas. So that was kind of nice to have a, a few members of the community that I could rely on there. So I kept the book kind of straight and to the point, um, which is why it's fairly short, really. And uh, but I think the the quality of the information is pretty good, even though the quantity is pretty short. And at the same time, I. I personally don't like to read like 200, 300 page books, you know, so I wanted to keep it fairly readable where a person could buy the book and actually, you know, finish the whole book word for word fairly easily. So did you consider at any point going down the traditional publishing route? Mm, yeah, I did actually. Um, I got a few offers from other publishing companies before I, before I settled on lean pub, but it just doesn't make sense anymore for me. You know, um, when with the framework being established and with having a fairly large community, I just thought it would be silly for me not to use LeanPub because um, I would be just throwing away tons of money to to write for a traditional publishing company, and um, uh, you know, it, it just didn't make any sense at all. It was harder to write. You know, the platform was not as good. Like I couldn't just write in simple Markdown, which was like a killer for me. That was like a deal breaker. Was I have to be able to write this in a simple Markdown syntax because I can't do some legacy word crap, you know, and just take forever right. and it would just suck. So, yeah, <laughs> Leanpa was like an obvious choice, even though I had um, offers from, I think, uh, uh, Manning was my main offer. Okay. offer so, 
was timing an issue at all in that as well? I mean, I know that, that traditional publishing, Manning does have an early access program, yeah. but, but the traditional publishing pro, uh, process really does, can, can take quite a long time. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so I was nervous about that, you know, like committing to the publisher and kind of being pressured to finish the book by a certain day. And, you know, I have a family and I'm working on Laravel and I have a day job. And so being able to kind of write in my own pace was another another big factor in that decision. So, I mean, it was there was just almost no cons to using LeanPub. You know what I mean? Like it was more money. It was more time. It was no one telling me what to do or what to write on. Um, it was an awesome platform with Markdown. So, yeah, it was like a no-brainer. I mean, there was no – there was really no question. Oh, that's really great to hear. That that's interesting. That um, that um, one of the positive aspects was was being the, the freedom to take take more time if you needed to. Because yeah, um, when, when we speak with authors, often they're um, especially people who uh, you know are successful in in one way or another, like you are, that they're often they feel hamstrung by um, the the amount of time that it takes with a traditional yeah. publisher. They feel like it's a delay. Yeah, for sure. I, I could tell it was just going to suck. Like I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to commit to a timetable because you know just stuff comes up, and you know the, I might have to work for something comes up in the framework, and I have to spend like days on that. You know, don't get to work on the book, and now I'm behind. It was just going to be too much stress and too much, too much pressure. I thought. Have you been um, updating the book when you receive, say, typo suggestions and things like that? Yeah, I have been. I've released a few updates. I've got a couple emails of typos I need to uh, go ahead and push out here soon. But yeah, I've made several updates to the book to kind of correct things and uh, fix any wording mistakes or example mistakes. So that's been nice. People have been nice to kind of report them and help me stay on top of that. And have you used the feature that allows you to email readers when you update the book, or has it just been sort of silent updates? No, I have emailed. I think I've emailed on every update and kind of and mentioned that, hey, this just fixes a few typos, you know. And also, it's just kind of a way to say thanks for buying the book. And, you know, if there's anything you see that's missing, you know, let me know. I kind of use it as a way to communicate at the same time, not just talk about the update. So I always kind of just remind people, you know, if there's anything you want me to expand on, tell me because that's how I'm kind of basing what the what any further chapters will be so okay that's been nice okay i see that you you set your minimum price at 29.99 and your suggested price at 34.99 was there yeah. is there any reasoning behind that yeah um i kind of priced it the same as dale's book and i also priced it um a little higher because the framework is free obviously it's open source and i, I felt like with the framework um I had made relatively little money off the framework. I mean, before I wrote for LeanPub, I may have made, I don't know, let's say one or $2,000. I mean, not tens of thousands of dollars. And so I kind of looked at the book as kind of a half donation, half um, kind of product, so to speak. So when you buy the book, it is priced a little higher. But I think people have been really receptive to the idea of, hey, you know, I've, I'm making money building apps for clients on this framework. And um, this is kind of a way to give back and kind of get something at the same time, you know? And so it's kind of a donation that has a reward to it. And, um, people, uh, people have been really understanding of that. I think even though it is a short book, it's, you know, it is priced a little higher, but it does, um, it is kind of a nice, a nice, uh, gesture towards the framework and it will help us do some things down the road actually that we have planned that are going to, oh, might, co might cost a little money. So. Excellent. Um, and have you have you used um, any of our features, like say the coupon feature or anything like that, or had like one day discounts? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we've I've used the coupon um, dozens of times. Um, 
I did when I did release the book, I you know let people know that if there was a financial hardship to go ahead and send me an email, you know, and I would give them a copy of the book. So we've had um, various people, you know, college students, things like that, that are, are kind of strapped for cash, but they want to learn about the framework. So we've given uh, copies of the book to them. And also uh, at uh, Laracon EU, we actually gave away a 180 use coupon. So everyone at the at the conference got a free copy of the book. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so that was um, – coupons have come in very handy. I've used them quite a bit. Do you have any um, specific feature requests, something that you'd love to see that occurred to you when you were when you were using LeanPod? <laughs> the only one that's come up recently was uh, kind of bulk creating a lot of different coupons. So like with Laracon EU, I needed to create like 180 coupons. So what I did was make one coupon with 180 uses. But if I could somehow create 100 coupons at once and like just get a list of all the new ones, that would be great. <laughs> but, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't too. It wasn't too hard for us to work around. It worked out fine, and uh, I don't think anyone tweeted the coupon code to the outside <laughs> world. But yeah, yeah. So is that actually on on that note? Is that something you have a strong opinion about? Lean, Lean Pub books are DRM free, and people can actually um, with two clicks get a refund within forty five yeah. days of buying. Are, are those things? Did Did you think about those things at all, or are, are they? No, I really didn't. Um, if people don't like the book, you know, I want them to have a refund, and if someone kind of uh, gets a refund because they just want their money back. Uh, I think that's, I felt like that would be the minority, you know, it's just kind of not the way I thought the community operates in a sense. Like it's kind of a very, um, I don't know, like we said, it's kind of a friendly community. I didn't expect that to be a huge problem of people just kind of buying the book and then saying, Oh, I'm getting a refund and keeping the book. And it's just, I didn't think that's the way it would be, you know? So I didn't really worry about it. And, and piracy isn't a preoccupation of yours. Mm, not that I know, not that I know of. We haven't had any problems with it. No, I'm not really too concerned about it. I think people respect the framework enough, you know, and uh, what it's done for them and their business. That you know, it's really thirty bucks has been a drop in the bucket. I think compared to what they're getting out of it on a day to day basis. At least the people I've talked to. Well, that that's great. Um, that's and you know, it's it's um a lot of the things you're saying are a lot of the reasons we we built Lean Pub. So it's great to get the validation knowing that that it's it's working. Yeah, yeah, it's a great platform. Like I, I totally love it. And if I ever write any more books, it will definitely be you know using LeanPub. Yeah, that was actually going to be my, I guess, my second last question was: Do you have plans to write another book? You, you mentioned already that you've got future chapters probably to add to this one. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll stick with this book for a while and um, add some further chapters. I don't want to. Uh, when I released this book, I was kind of weary of like pimping the framework, so to speak, where <laughs> I don't want people to think like I'm trying to profiteer on the framework. So I'm, you know, I don't have any ideas for releasing a second book or really want to right now. I'm just going to continue to expand the book I have, you know, and everyone gets updates for free, which is nice. So, uh, yeah, I'll stick with this one for a little while and just kind of expand on it. Great. Um, well, I guess, I guess our time might be about up. Um, is there anything you'd like to add or any comment you'd like to make? No, it's been great. It's been great using LeanPub. I love it, and uh, you know, I think it's really, uh, I think it's really changed um, tech publishing in a way. In that, all these authors have access to a great publishing platform, and they get you know rewarded fairly for their work. And it's just, an, I think it's awesome. It's awesome for uh, the whole tech community, and you know, I really commend you guys on the platform. It's a really great platform. Well, thank you very much um, for um, your positive comments and for being on the Lean Publishing Co- podcast and for being a Lean Pub author. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been great.